right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. We don't got time for that. All right, let's go. Break it. Break it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Hello, haters. The haters. Derek Young is crying in his car. If you don't know who that is, then honestly, probably best for you because, you know. Uh, it just means you're not terminally online, which yeah, is probably, which a, good probably a good thing. Probably a good thing. Anyway, um, good news from the KU quarterback position, just in general. Yeah. Uh, we had Hawk Talk with Lance Leipold last night. He gave some updates on Jason Bean, Cole Ballard, which we'll get to that specific audio in the 5 o'clock hour, but I will mention what's going to happen here in a moment. Um, we also had some news I, I don't know, what, half an hour ago? Within, like like, within the last 20 yeah. minutes, 30 minutes. Jalen Daniels. He back. Well, maybe not sort for of. He's going to be <laughs> he, back. He is, he's back, yes. but not in the short term. I can't imagine he's back for Kansas State. <laughs> but he is back for the long term. He released the social media video today on his uh, X account, on his Twitter account, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, you know, he, he basically said unfinished business. Here, Here's the video. Here's, I guess, the audio you can listen to of what he had to say. I'm going to be blunt. This season didn't go as planned, but life comes at you fast. And sometimes your story's out of your control. But I guess that just means I have unfinished business. My dreams haven't changed. My goals are still there. And my vision for my future is clear. So you want something to talk about? Talk about this. I'm not done yet. And I'm not going anywhere. Rock chalk. Okay, so that's definitive. I'm not done yet. Hmm. I'm not going anywhere. Hmm. Rock chalk. Hmm. Now, there was also, they released a basically verbal version, I guess, on... Uh, or a written version. A written version, yeah. On, well, it'll be verbal for you listening to it. But um, yeah, on the KU Football Twitter account uh, from Jalen Daniels. Quote, Jayhawk Nation, I want to thank you for your support and well wishes as I battle back from injury. Personally, it has been an incredibly difficult time being away from the game that I love and not being able to play with my brothers in front of our incredible fans on Saturdays. The adversity that I've faced this season will help me come back even stronger when the time is right. Kansas is a very special place to me, and I will be back next season to continue to move the program forward under Lance, under Coach Leipold, Rock Chalk. Now, okay, a couple things. One, um, just going back to the whole Texas thing when that happened, I said at the time, you really think this guy who wants to be an NFL draft pick is going to randomly sit out of the Texas game? Like, of course he wants to be out there. Of course he wants to be out there and do good things and have scouts see him and win awards and, and have his team win games. Nonetheless, anyway, we don't, we don't need to get into that much. Uh, the ending part, I think, kind of interesting, beyond the Jalen Daniels part, which we'll get into here in a moment. Yeah. I will be back next season to continue to move the program forward under Coach Leipold. There's two ways of going with that. There's the glass half full, there's the glass half empty. Man, you love doing this. I, I do love doing it. Well, that's why, you know, sports radio. We talk about all the stupid stuff. Anyway, um, that, the glass half full part is Coach Leipold's back. Yes. He's basically telling us Coach Leipold's back next year just with him, I right? I think he should be. Yeah. Glass half empty is him saying, but if Coach Leipold leaves, I might leave too. Okay. Okay. No. You don't want to go there? I don't want to talk about that. Okay. No. Let's not go there then. <laughs> I'm just bringing it up. Just, you know. No, I, I, got, I got you. I got you. That's, that's My what you mind do. works. I throw things out. Yep. No, I, I do oh, think yeah. it's the first. I do think it's the first. I just, uh, you know, ruffle, ruffle feathers. <laughs> no, so Jalen Daniels will be back in 2024. Um, yeah. That's how we're taking this. That's where it's going. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yes. The video was cool. Everything about that was cool. It's just kind of sad that he hadn't even come out and do it in the first place, that there was just this constant barrage of completely unfounded, uh, basically, conspiracies that turned into fact just be just by the fact that people were saying it so many times that people started to believe it uh and when there was really no evidence to indicate any in any sort of way that that was the case that it, it got so much to that point that KU and Jalen Daniels decided to, to do this decided to go ahead and say you know what enough of the crap cut the crap you want something to talk about I'm back okay so that but, you know it's it's awesome in one on one hand but I do think it's kind of sad on the other that that uh, this that kind of stuff was continue continuously peddled uh, by by opposing 
fan bases, reporters, people who clearly were not in the know. And it just kept growing and growing, and people started to believe it more and more. So uh, that's sad, but also really sick, really cool that uh, Jalen's definitely coming back for next season. Um, the other thought that I had immediately after this was, this is really awesome, and and if Jalen is healthy for a full season, you know, I mean, you think about it this season, I mean, if Jalen's healthy for the whole season this year, KU is at the very least probably 8-2, and two, maybe, or even 9-1 and one at that point. And then you flash forward to next season, expanded playoff, 12th playoff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's exciting. KU should have a legitimate chance with Jalen Daniels healthy for a whole season, plus Lance Leipold, plus some of the other guys they could bring back to truly be in the playoff. Yeah. On the flip side of that, though, another thought I had was it's kind of sad that that season's going to be occurring in a limited capacity booth because it's going to be half destroyed. Yeah, yeah, that, that's unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, think about it too. Uh, so 2024, it's not just that you have Jalen Daniels. Yes, it's unfortunate that Jalen has gotten hurt every season, and you might be thinking, oh, I know Jalen's back, but what about the backup quarterback in case that happens again because Jason Bean will be gone? Well, guess what? Now you feel like you have a more known commodity with Cole Ballard for next season. And you also add Isaiah Marshall. So if that's your QB depth chart with JD1 and you know Ballard or Marshall 2 and the other one 3, you feel pretty good about that. You could have Daniel Highshow back. You could have Devin Neal back. Not holding my breath on Devin Neal coming back. I'm kind of assuming NFL draft, but discussion for a later date. Could be. Uh, they yeah. can have all their receivers back. Again, could one end up going pro early? Maybe. Uh, they could have Jared Casey back. They could have Trevor Cardell back. They could have three of their starting offensive linemen back. Uh, defensively, you can have Austin Booker back and Jeremy Robinson back. So, like, they could have Kobe Bryant back. Again, he could go pro, too. Uh, they Brown could have Melo too, Dotson, think, right? right? Yeah, J.B. Brown. Like, yeah. They they could they could be better next year than they could be this year, and it's been a fun season already. So yeah. that's exciting with Jalen Daniels coming back. The other QB news we heard last night uh, on Hawk Talk with Lance Leipold. He gave an update on Jason Bean, and uh, I guess every update that we've gotten this week has gotten progressively has gotten progressively better. Um, because the the one on Monday we heard from Lance Leipold was that he was very optimistic that he can play, right? Yeah. Besides that random quote he had on Tuesday on... Uh, what was the Tuesday one? The Tuesday one. He went on a show in Kansas City and was like, I think we need to operate as if Cole Ballard's going to be this... Or he said something like that, basically. Okay. Say. So there was that one. So then you go to Wednesday, and we, we were at the press conference with Andy Kotelnicki, and he said that he took a lot of reps. Quote, right? a lot of reps. And that he practiced, basically. So that was the thing. And then... Last night on Hawk Talk uh, with Lance Leipold and, and Brian Haney, who we're going to have Brian on the show with us uh, coming up at about 4.40 here in studio on uh, RCST. Um, he said that he practiced some today. He's definitely in a better spot than he was earlier in the week. And then he added that the training staff, like, you know, that, that they've said he's progressing and, and that sort of stuff. Um, so we'll share that audio coming up at 5.05. But... That's good news, too, because, again, this could all be smokescreen, but the fact that we keep getting messages, like, I guess this this how I'm viewing it. I'm kind of in under the assumption now the way this is going, Jason Bean's going to start on Saturday. Okay. Am I a fool okay. for believing into this? Uh, I I don't think you're a fool, but I am definitely not nearly as optimistic. You're not quite there? <laughs> because here, here's how I'm approaching If Jason Bean ends up starting Saturday... Okay, maybe that's the way this is going. Maybe those are hints. If he doesn't end up starting Saturday, then from here on out, I will be like, I'm just never going to trust anything said about the quarterback in the media. <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at. No, that's fair. Uh, and I'm kind of already there, to be honest, with how things have played out. But I, I don't know. I have a – every. I mean, this would be a massive, massive break in what this staff has done in the past, I think, if Jason Bean ends up – starting on Saturday. It would be a massive reversal of what they have generally done in these types of situations, which has been if they have a guy at quarterback who is it, he could play, but he's maybe early in the week, it's not quite sure. They like to have that whole week of preparation with somebody that they know is going to play. So I, I think it would be pretty, I would be pretty surprised if Jason Bean does start, to be quite honest with you. Right right now, I would, I would be pretty surprised. Uh, I understand the optimism and I understand wanting to be optimistic, and I hope Jason Bean starts also. But I think it would be a pretty significant break with what they have done in the past in situations like this if he did start because that's just how they've operated. That's how they've operated for a long time. And so this would be a pretty a pretty significant reversal of that. But obviously, this is a pretty significant game that you want to win. So if there if there was a time where you were like, you know what, sure, we like to have a guy for a whole week, but you know we've, we've now had – we've now – 
practice weeks with Jason Bean as a starting quarterback for like the last month. So maybe that early week preparation for Jason Bean is not as significant as we thought it was previously. And we can go ahead and, and kind of build our game plan. And then as he gets healthier throughout the week, then we can go with him there. Maybe that's what they're thinking. Because I, with Cole Ballard, your chances of beating KU obviously, or your chances of beating K State obviously drop fairly significantly, I would say. Not to zero. I think you could still win with him, but you'd need a lot of things to go right. With Jason Bean, he's a veteran player. He knows the he knows the system. He knows the offense. I don't know. Maybe they maybe they did sit down on you know on Sunday or Monday and have those discussions of you know what, let's build a game plan for Jason Bean, expecting him to get healthy by middle, middle of the week. And we'll just go from there, and we'll start. We'll start Jason Bean. Maybe, maybe that, maybe that is what happened. Uh, I, I'm not really sure. I don't know. I, at, like I said, at this point, I'm still not as optimistic as you are, or as other people are. But uh, I certainly hope that I'm wrong on this. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. And then the the third bit of news was that Cole Ballard is on scholarship now. Yeah, over, for ago. over a month. Yeah, yeah, for over a month. Yeah. So every time that we have said, and mostly me, I've said it a lot. Uh, true freshman walk-on quarterback has been factually incorrect. I think I even asked questions to to like both coordinators about when I was. Like, I know. You know. Don't you think that's weird that nobody, nobody ever said anything? Me. Yeah, nobody ever said anything. Yeah, what's up with that? I don't know. Is that just Midwestern nice? You know. You yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. Or maybe it's like a. You know, if you're the coordinator, you don't want to be the one that you know announces. Sure. Shares it. the news. Yeah. Wait for the. Wait for the. Wait for. You know that. Himself. Remember the the Magic Johnson. Um, when he was like the, well, I don't even remember what his position was with the Lakers. He was like the president VP. So yeah, he was know, like whatever. the president of operations. And they were asking him about like, oh, what, what about next year or whatever? And he was like, I'm not going to be there or whatever. <laughs> That's probably what was going on in the mind of like Andy Kotelik and Brian Borland, except he was like, he's not a walk on, but like, you know, I'm not going to be the one to share that story. So um, anyway, uh, so good news all around the quarterback position for uh, KU, which we needed some good news because there was, you know, not a lot of good news lately at the quarterback position. It's been injury and injury, and yeah. when is this guy coming back and stuff? So, yeah. Cool to see. Uh, anyway, we were brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery today. You ready to have some fun with numbers? Oh, I always truncated have fun version today. with numbers. Um, KU is averaging three less points per game than last season, and yet they're guaranteed to win more games. I find that fascinating. Now, they could they could still end up, based on how the final two games go, or in the bowl game, Averaging the same or more points per game than they did last year. I just find it fascinating because we we talked about that the defense could get better and needed to get better for the team to get better. But that was also under the assumption that the offense would be just as good, if not better. Yes. And here they are putting up, and, and some of it is injury-based, so I'm not saying that they're worse or anything. It's just they're putting up less points per game, and they're actually better. Yeah, well, and I think a lot of it has to do with their red zone execution, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the red zone offense for KU has not been super great for the majority of the season. So that's that probably impacts your, your points per game, right? If you're kicking a field goal instead of scoring a touchdown, newsflash, you're scoring less points. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but the defense, uh, and uh, uh, the other part of that is the defense has been so good at home, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really been KU's bread and butter this season. I mean, prior to the Texas Tech game, undefeated at home. So uh, that's, that's, where they've, that's where they've gotten the job done uh, on the defensive side of the ball has been at home. And so, uh, yeah, even though the offense has not been as great, maybe statistically, they still are top 25 in a lot of metrics. I mean, this is still a really, really quality Kansas offense uh, that has just slipped a little bit in certain areas because of probably mainly injuries and whatnot. But, uh, you know, it is what it is, and you're still going to have more wins this season less, like you said. Yeah, for sure, which is good. Uh, Devin Neal, by the way, I don't, I don't know that we discussed this on this show, but he moved into the top five of uh, KU career rushing yards last week with with his performance. He can become the, I think it's third KU running back ever, which is crazy to have thousand yards uh, rushing back back seasons. You know, past seasons there were games or years where they had ten games or something, so that hurt. But like, that's pretty crazy to think about. He uh, he's like three hundred back of fourth, so he could get there this season. You know, K State, Cincinnati, and then a bowl game. Yeah. Um. Probably going to be tough to move any higher than that. But if he does come back for senior year next year, he will be projected to break the record all time. So, I mean, you're talking about, like, all-time, all-time legend. If yeah. if Devin Neal wins, if, if Kansas wins this game against Kansas State and Devin Neal, local kid, has a big rushing game as part of it, I really do believe his legacy is going to go down as, like, I mean, it might already because of some of the numbers. As like one of the all-time Jayhawks, yeah, 
And like okay. we're already trending to the area that that he could get his jersey, you know, or not jersey, his, his, his name in the, in the, the ring, ring of honor, honor and everything. Yeah. So it's it's not like that far of a jump, but I just I I really don't think it's that crazy to be like I I don't know, I'm about to say something that might be stupid because it might be too outlandish, <laughs> but like if Devin Neal if they beat K-State, let's say he comes back, yeah. breaks the all-time career rushing record. Yeah. Is he getting a statue? I honestly, I was, I was gonna say it if you weren't gonna say it because I was like, instead of let, let's let's time out here. I mean, local instead kid. of building the statue for Lance Leipold, build the statue <laughs> for Devin Neal, Lawrence kid, like exactly. And to your I point don't think on it's that, that far fetched. To your point on that, I mean, listen, that could be something that that Devin Neal cares about, right? The fact that you're a local guy and you have a chance, maybe if you come back to break that record, that's probably something that he's thinking about. I wouldn't be surprised if that's on his mind. Of man, if I come back, I literally ha- I have that chance. You know, it's kind of interesting, I think, because when you think about some of the past great Jayhawk running backs, a lot of them, they're, I think they were boosted by having great NFL careers. So I guess it'd be, I'd be curious to see what, what Devin Neal would then do at the next level. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't know. And then that, that kind of hurts some other guys. Like James Sims' career rushing yards, like he was there, but he never really got you know much in, in the NFL. Yeah. Um, okay, here, here's... Because like, from a legacy standpoint, that... Maybe it shouldn't affect it, but it does. Yeah. Here's an interesting stat for the the defensive side of things. Um, here's the completion percentage against the KU defense, game by game. 67%, 68%, 68%, 59%, 71%, 65%, last three, 74%, 78%, That is a very high completion percentage against. Yeah. For the season, it's 68.5%, and... It sort of makes sense when you think stylistically the way that Brian Borland has employed this defense is to be kind of a bend but don't break defense. Um, obviously, we know they're last in the Big 12 in red zone defense, so they have kind of broken there. I think the area where they they have kind of bent but not broken, though, is between the 20 to 40, mm-hmm. where it doesn't count as a red zone trip, but they've been able to make stops there, 20 to 50 maybe. Uh, so it has actually worked, and, and again, the defense has been much better this year. That that does make me wonder, though, because I go back to like the ending of the Tech game. I go back to the second half of the Iowa State game. I feel like Kansas is too often, especially when you look at their personnel in the secondary. Like We talk about it being a veteran secondary, a good secondary. I feel like they're playing off too much. I think they need to be more aggressive in the back end. Yeah, and in a game like this coming up against Kansas State, I would agree with that tenfold. You know, Brian Borland has shown that he is has been – and I'm going to use this term, and it may come off with a negative connotation, but I don't mean it negatively. But he's been more of a reactionary defensive coach, I feel like, over these past you know month or so, where he comes out, plays base, and then maybe makes adjustments on the fly in the game to 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 fix things, right, or or, or execute mm-hmm. better. And and you know you hear the term reactionary, and I think the knee jerk reaction, the knee jerk thought is that's a that's a has a negative connotation. I, it doesn't because he's been great. He's been great at that. He's been really good at making adjustments and. And the defense has gotten better over the course of, of some of the games that they've needed to. But, yeah, I think in this game against Kansas State, Kansas State's receivers are really not that explosive. I mean, they have Keegan Johnson, but he's been very inconsistent. And other than that, they've had some guys that have been kind of up and down. The point being, you like Kansas's corners against those guys. I At least I do, 10 times out of 10. So why not in a game like this against Kansas State, put those guys on islands and say, just prove that you're better, and we're going to put seven, eight guys in the box and really try to eliminate the Kansas State running game and force the ball in the hands of Will Howard. I think you have to do that early and often against Kansas State. I don't know that Brian Borland will because, uh, you know, with the way the staff works, they work on a system. All Everybody has a system. And they they seem very, very hesitant to waver from that system, from how what they do, Right. Everything, everything is methodical. Everything is, it's, it's almost robotic in how they, in how they do it, how they operate. I wonder if they would be, if they are willing to, in this case, Brian Borland is willing to step outside of that and and play differently to start this game against Kansas State. I, I don't know. I guess we'll see, but, but I think I would probably do that if I were in his in his situation. And you know, there's there's probably a lot more involved with that, but. Yeah, I, I think you need to get more aggressive against these Kansas State receivers that you feel like you have an advantage with with your corners, limit the Kansas State running game, and try to force Will Howard to beat you. Yeah, for sure. I And I would agree. I, I think uh, you need to play uh, aggressively here. And I think there have been times where they have played aggressively and they've 
uh, seeing good results out of it. So uh, I thought that one was kind of interesting. All right, not a not a ton of fun with numbers today. We didn't have a ton of time with uh, yeah, dude. You promised me combo. fun with numbers, and I got a I bunch fun. of crap. <laughs> I got a bunch of crap numbers. Okay, sorry. Um, what if I told you that KU basketball has three players averaging over five assists per game? That do that's, anything for that's you? That's pretty fun. That's pretty fun. Yeah, that's, that's cool. A good number. Yeah. Right. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney at 440. We got plenty of KU football audio and talk throughout the show, including coming up next on the other side with Lance Leipold. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, voice of the Jayhawks. Brian Haney will join us in about 15 minutes right now. Uh, before we get into our KU break or our uh, Big 12 breakdown, how about last night the KU volleyball team sweeping 23rd ranked Baylor, Kansas yeah. ranked in the top 20. Uh, now they're up to number 19 on the RPI. The uh, NCAA Volleyball Tournament Committee very much heavily weights the RPI into their selection system. Uh, which I think is funny that in these other sports we've been like, yeah, RPI is <laughs> archaic. Let's ditch it. We've got these other things now. But in some of these other smaller sports, it's been like, ah, it's fine. Um, why why do we not have just like a net ranking or something like that? For, anyway, whatever. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. Uh, so point is, they're on the 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 kind of precipice. They're they're kind of right in the middle of whether they would host or not in the first round. So these games are really important, and if they can get another win against Baylor to make it two straight against top 25 team, that would go a long way. But a uh, nice sweep for them. Yeah, big win. Uh, their second-class home game for the season. They'll have a UCF at home next Wednesday? Uh, Saturday? Saturday, I think. Pretty sure. Uh, they got one more game, one more home game against UCF coming up. Uh, three games left on their schedule total. Uh, and, yeah, to your point... They definitely matter because for the for the for hosting, they would need to be what a top four seed, right? Yeah, well, you just have to be sixteen. They they don't seed it like the NCAA tournament. They just oh, it, it's gotcha. more like baseball in, in that they seed it with the sixteen. So yeah, so I mean, uh, they have at BYU upcoming tomorrow. Then they have at Cincinnati, and then they have home against UCF. So those are their final three games. Got to go two and one there at the very least to uh, I, I would think have kind yeah, of so a nice B- chance. There. BYU is BYU been, is good too, uh, not as good as they normally have been. Correct. But uh, yeah, that's a game you feel like if you win that one on the road, that's yeah. worth a lot. Yeah, I think if they win that one and one of the other two, you're probably good. If you win all three, you're definitely good. And if you go if you lose at BYU but win the other two, you're gonna have a shot at it. But it won't be uh, feeling like a sure thing necessarily. So good stuff from them with a uh, nice sweep win over the Baylor Bears. All right, Big 12 breakdown here. Updated Big 12 title race. At this point, you know, it doesn't feel likely for Kansas. There is still a scenario out there. Did you see the one scenario going around where everybody finishes 6-3 and three and then <laughs> Kansas gets into the Big 12 title? Wouldn't that be great? That would be uh, that'd be something, yeah. By the way, what did you think of the Big 12? Uh, they clarified their tiebreaker. Yeah, I mean. Slash added a rule. Some people are mad. Some people are like, okay, I this makes sense. I literally do not care. <laughs> uh, also, it seems like the rule that – so. I don't even really know. I don't even really. I didn't even really bother to fully dive into it. But my understanding basically is that like, there was like a rule that the Big Twelve had written in the preseason that like it, there was kind of like it was open for interpretation basically of like a tiebreaker, and so they came back and they were like, actually no, this is what we meant, and it basically the it the end result was that in a three way tie scenario between Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Kansas State for the Big Twelve title. The, the original rule could have been interpreted as though it would not be Oklahoma State, even though Oklahoma State had bo- has beaten both Oklahoma and Kansas State, which then the Big 12 was like, well, wait a second, we didn't actually, this is what we meant, basically, to where Oklahoma State would get into that scenario. Yes. And that made some people mad, I guess. You can guess which people got mad. <laughs> some, some Kansas State folks got mad because they were like, well, actually, that's not what the rule said originally. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I... <laughs> Like even if I was even if, let's say Kansas was in that situation where it was like they would have been in and then with the clarification they would have been out. It makes sense that Oklahoma State gets in. They won. They literally beat you. They they deserve it more. Okay. So I don't. I wouldn't even care anyways. Anyway, regardless, no matter how way you paint this, I would not care. Okay. Well, it seemed like you cared because I mean, you seems gave like a good the best explanation. Team. The best team is gonna, or the team that should be in yeah. is gonna be in anyway. Yeah. No, I I agree. It's it, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um. Anyway. Uh, right now, Texas is, is sitting in a great spot. They avoid kind of an upset spot at TCU and nearly did kind of blow the game a 
Quinn Ewers is back, though. I, I could see them losing at Iowa State this weekend. I really could. Mm. I don't see them losing twice. Because if they just win one of their final yeah, two, they're they have, probably going to be in, right? Their last game is Tech at home. Yeah. So I don't know. Tech looks pretty good. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to lose both. They're not, not going to lose both. They're not going to lose both. They're not even going to probably lose one. Probably not. And even if they do lose one, there's a chance they're they fine. still make it in yeah. right at that point. Uh, but it would hurt their college football playoff anyway. But that's that's yeah. I mean, story. if they if if they lose one of their games, they're done. Yeah, they're, I think they're done. Yeah, oh, for the playoff, yeah, for sure. Now it's they're already lower than some of those other ACC and Pac-12 teams. Oh yeah, no. In the rankings. I mean, right now there's a chance they win out. I mean, right now, they, yeah, chance, they could be twelve yeah. and one and still not make it in. Because if Washington wins out, if Florida State wins out, if Georgia wins out, and one of Michigan or Ohio State, that's your four teams. You yeah. know, and then the one loss is gonna do you in. Yeah, so that'd be crazy. Um, there's scenarios in there where what if Alabama beats Georgia? Do you jump Alabama over Which Texas even that, though they beat them? Does Texas get in? Does Georgia get in? Like <laughs> that would be absolutely crazy. Which listen, I hate to break it to you, Alabama will beat Georgia. Mark, you think so? Carved in stone. Okay. Alabama, Alabama's winning the national championship. Mm. I've, I've been saying. Well, why didn't you climb on board with me when I was like they're fifteen to one and you're like ah they're not. When was that? It was like two weeks ago. No, I was on board with that. It was like two or three weeks ago. I was like, what did I say, Nick? They're fifteen to one to win the title right now, and you're like ah that's not happening. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're lying. I'm not. Because I've been saying Alabama's going to win the national title for like the past two weeks. This definitely happened. This definitely happened, whether it was off air or on air. <laughs> anyway, though, uh, right now there's a four-way tie for second in the Big 12. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Iowa State, K-State are all sitting at 5-2. and two. And, yes, that possible tiebreaker could come into play. Oklahoma State's got a what you, what you should think is an easy finish for them. But after losing 45-3 to three at UCF, I don't know that at Houston this weekend is like a gimme or BYU at home. The BYU at home, they should win. Yeah. That's yeah. the one right there at Houston. But that's the thing that it's sucks. It's a little interesting for sure. If Oklahoma State gets into the Big 12 title game, like I don't want that to happen because I feel like they're going to lose by 30. Mm. They just lost by 42 to UCF. <laughs> and like All their wins over K-State, Kansas, Oklahoma, they were kind of like fluky, weird wins. I don't think they were fluky, but they mm, were weird turnovers, Some weird stuff that happened for sure. I I don't want Oklahoma State in in the circling back Big to the title. to the BS about the the Big Twelve tiebreaker. K State's going to lose to Kansas anyway, so they they can cry more about that. Well, hey, I I brought it up last week, and you just wanted to disservice it. I said Texas Tech was sitting at three three. I was like, what if Texas Tech wins out and they force a crazy tiebreaker at six and three for the Big Twelve? Would you like to address that now? Because they beat Kansas, they're four and three. They still okay. play Texas. They okay. play UCF. What if they finish 6-3 and three and they have wins over Kansas and Texas at that point? Okay, but they're not going to be in the Big 12 title game. Could they at 6-3? and three? Well, I'm sure you could cook up some kind of crazy scenario, yeah. Okay, then let's address it. Okay, so what the scenario would be what? They went out. And what else? And then they're six and three. And but then a you bunch need of teams a lot. Lose. Yeah, I was gonna say you I don't yeah. know the tiebreakers. Exactly. You don't even know the scenario. Well, I don't know the scenario because it takes like five things, <clears throat> like five teams tied, and then the weird See, exactly. tiebreakers. That's why I don't. Want, that's why I don't want to address it because it it would take like so much other crazy crap happening. I'm just saying we're getting close, moving a little closer to it. But yeah, so you're willing to die on that hill, but you don't even know what the scenario is. Okay, let me ask you this: Would you be to a point now where you're starting to like? There is still that slight outside shot that if Kansas wins their final two games, that if the right things happen with Oklahoma losing once and Oklahoma State losing once and Iowa State losing once, that maybe with the right tiebreaker, I don't know what else would have to happen for you that you can still make it in the Big Twelve title game, right? Okay. Sure. Um, are you at this point rooting more for that, or are you more so focusing on? What other teams need to win or lose for Kansas to maximize the best bowl game possible? Mm. To maybe play in the Pop Tarts Bowl. To avoid going back to the uh, Liberty Bowl. That's right? an interesting question. I mean, I feel. I mean, I, I don't want to get old takes exposed here, but I, I feel pretty confident, like that. There's like a zero percent chance KU is going back to the Liberty Bowl. Like, I don't want to just say it, but I just did. But I think I think there's like a zero percent chance. Okay. Why? I just think that the they're above the Liberty Bowl already as it is. Okay. Interesting. What? I disagree, but I'm <laughs> I'm curious to learn more. <laughs> okay, well, I think they're above that anyways, and there should be a law that says that they can't go back to Liberty Bowl twice again. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna lobby Laura Kelly to make a law that says that KU will doesn't have to play in Liberty Bowl. By the way, side note, I'm looking at Texas Tech's profile. Did you know Taj Brooks has more rushing yards than any of the Texas Tech quarterbacks have passing yards? I know it makes sense when you think about it, like all the players are injured, but yeah. I just found Dude, that Taj point. Brooks is top five in the country yeah, in rushing yards. he's really yards. good. He's really good. Um, 
I guess what has to happen in the in the odd scenario if you do want to talk yourself into obviously Kansas has to win out like that would be a prerequisite at that point you would get a tiebreaker over Kansas State though I don't know the three way tiebreaker Iowa State plays Texas this week so you probably actually root for Texas in that one I would assume yeah um, Iowa State also plays K State to finish you need Oklahoma to lose one of at BYU or versus TCU Ugh, that doesn't look good yeah. And then you need Oklahoma State to, to lose one, right? If not both, I don't know. Again, they, they, they I don't know how both. tiebreakers work when they're four teams. You know, it, it gets <laughs> weird, and then it goes to weird stuff. <laughs> so it's probably not going to happen at this point. I'm just rooting for uh, you know the other teams to lose. Yeah. No, I agree. The, the Big Twelve title is really not on my game. mind. Yeah, at that at this point, just Kansas way. win out. Good things will happen from there. Yeah. Who do you think right now, though? What's your Big Twelve title pick? Who do you think the two teams to find out wind up there are? I mean, I think Texas for Texas, sure. Texas, yeah, they've got the leg up. I think Texas for sure. Who joins them? I, I think Oklahoma State's going to still be there, to be honest. I really do. It's just it's tough. So I, I envision Iowa State's going to lose, and then the tiebreaker's going to come down to Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Kansas State at that point. But if KU wins on Saturday, Correct. when they win on Saturday. But either way, Oklahoma State has the tiebreaker over K-State too. So either way, it wouldn't. So yeah, yes. I think Oklahoma State's the one to go. But man, they just looked so bad against UCF. Like when they lose, they they do it so notably. That's true. Thirty three to seven. Twenty six Alabama. Twenty six point loss to South Alabama. Ugh. Forty two point loss to UCF. They lose with passion. All they right. do it right. You might as well. You might as well go down. I guess so. If you're going to lose, way. get all your, your bad stuff out. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a uh, time out here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, is going to join us shortly here on the show. We also have some Hawk Talk audio that we're going to get to uh, update on Jason Bean and some other stuff, Sean Snyder, and plenty more coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. we got some more KU football audio after that. Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Hey, it's Derek Johnson from Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. And despite sitting around in a studio all day, my body feels great thanks to Massage Envy. Their total body stretch service makes my body feel loose and limber and gets rid of some of those day-to-day aches I have from a long day at the office or working out at the gym. During the stretches, all you need to do is relax and breathe deep, and they'll take it from there. It's great for your body and your mind. And they also have massages, rapid tension services, and advanced skin care. That's Massage Envy on 6th Street in Lawrence and South Black Bob Road in Olathe. Welcome back to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, joined now by Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney here. KU takes on K-State Saturday at 6 in the Sunflower Showdown. Uh, we're going to play some Hawk Talk audio, some uh, interesting stuff last night. Lance Leipold, Sean Snyder coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. You were obviously there last night interviewing the coaches and everything. Uh, I, I kind of want to start that, like, how, how much do you think... Sean Snyder, how much does that help having him for this game? Because I thought it was very interesting, the story he told about um, how important they made the game and having uh, the, the Governor's Cup out there and all that stuff. I think it, it's a definite leg up, no doubt. And I think he's had a lot of contributions in the last six months. I mean, what a coup for Kansas to get a guy that in several different seasons was recognized by multiple media outlets as the best at his craft in coordinating special teams. And while he's the special assistant to the head coach and not our special teams coordinator, there's no doubt that, that his influence and his ideas are, are tossed about in meetings and that kind of thing. And uh, I, I think that in emphasizing the importance of the game and what it meant to them, it was big. It was, it was a funny moment that I highlighted in that interview that when a fan came up and asked about the last time KU had beaten K-State and I said 2008, he was quick to interject that was the Ron Prince era, uh, which, which was not anything bad. It's, it's just... He was pointing yeah. out, well, yeah, just so you know, you know, and uh, I thought that was great because it again speaks to how much it meant to them, how much they emphasized and prioritized winning the game every year in the Dylan Sunflower Showdown. So I think he helps a lot, but even without his influence, I think our guys would realize the magnitude of this game. It's not only your rival, but it's senior day for 19 Jayhawks, and it's the last game ever as we know it. In the booth. Next year, you'll play in a fraction of a stadium, and then you'll have the brand new reimagined David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium. And so, in the same way that we didn't want Mizzou to win an Allen Fieldhouse before they left the conference to the SEC, 
We don't want K-State to say that they spoiled our senior night on the last game after 101 years in the current state of the booth. Mm -hmm. So I I think we'd have plenty of motivation to begin with, but understanding that this is going to be a memory for a lifetime if you can get it, I I think is something that has every one of those Jayhawks, whether they're a a senior or a true freshman like Cole Ballard, understanding the importance of Saturday night. Yeah, I feel like uh, for the first time in a while, we've had, I don't know, all sorts of great news today with the KU quarterback position, whether it was, I don't know, last night with, sounds like, I I don't know, some of the comments we've heard, and and who knows if the progression of Jason Bean leads him actually playing or not, but Cole Ballard being on scholarship, Jalen Daniels today announcing that he'll be back for next year. Um, But but going into this game on Saturday, what what sticks out to you about Kansas State, and, and what sticks out to you about keys for Kansas to come out on top? Well, there's so many things that stick out about K-State. I mean, they're 14th in the country in their overall run game, and the quarterback, Will Howard, is playing his best football of late. 12-1 to touchdown-to-interception ratio in his last four games. They've also been really opportunistic defensively in that stretch with 13 takeaways. And how about this? On the season... 50 trips inside the red zone, they get touchdowns 40 of the 50 times. So we're talking about a Kansas team that just lost because they didn't punch it in for six in the red zone. And I loved Cole Ballard's performance, and I'm going to gush about him in a second, but you can't convince me that the Jayhawks don't win that game if it's Jalen or Jason back there. And that's not to take anything away from Cole. Very admirable effort. But to make three straight, straight trips inside the 20 and only get a couple of field goals and the uh, the fourth and one where we lose five with Highshaw, six points in three red zone trips isn't going to cut it. And K-State has made a living this season of finishing drives with a touchdown. So Kansas needs to give them a taste of their own medicine. I do think that you know what has been a glaring differential historically, really for the last 30 years in this rivalry, the special teams game should be a little bit more uh, shored up with the influence of Sean Snyder, as you talked about, and with some better specialists for Kansas. And it sounds like Trevor Wilson is healthier and closer to being able to to be turned loose back there in the return game, which would be great if he is. But that's always been one that seems like it shoots us in the foot every year in special teams. Sometimes with our own mistakes, like a, like a slippage by Burroughs and a fumble on a wet field. Yeah. Other times with Brooks taking it to the house as a great return man. We got to make sure they don't expose us in that way. And if Kansas could actually possibly have a special teams edge, dare I say, oh my gosh, what a leg up that yeah. would be. No, I, th- I think Kansas is first in the conference in, in punt return yards, or I don't even know how to phrase this, uh, yards per punt return attempt, I guess. Um, and Kansas State is 11th in the conference in net yards per punt. So maybe they actually do have a chance there to bust one. It could be. And, and you think about some of the games in the 14 straight streak against us and how many times we gave them 10, 14, 17 points in special teams gaffes. If we just break even there, it feels like we've got a much better chance to win. So I, I think that K-State does so many things impressively and there's so many different superlatives I could throw at you like the numbers I just gave. But the bottom line is we've closed the talent, the talent gap tremendously with or without our top two quarterbacks, the rest of this roster feels like they're ready and this is the year. But no doubt, if you had a at least a close to healthy Jason Bean, you got a much better chance to win. And that's not to take anything away from a true freshman, no longer a walk-on, as we found out last night, that has won over the locker room and shown his toughness, grit, and moxie from day one. Huge Cole Ballard fan right here. I just think the senior deserves to play on his senior night. And Jason Bean, even at 90%, you know, has a dynamic nature about him that gives Kansas a much higher ceiling at this stage in Cole's development. Yeah, by the way, I was I was trying to find it. I uh, we mentioned this game yesterday, but I, I didn't actually have the exact game. It was the it was the 2017 game. Here's another example of the special teams. K-State beat Kansas 30 to 20 and and on its own it doesn't, you know, sound like okay, a 10-point game, what's the big deal? Well, K-State had a 99-yard kick return for a touchdown that game. They also after Kansas made it um 27 to 20 uh, K-State had a punt return that they took back to the Kansas 45 and that allowed them to kick a field goal that they ended up winning the game 30-20, to 20, which spoiled, unfortunately, Steven Sims in that game. I mean, Carter Stanley had over 400 yards that game. Steven Sims had nine catches for 233 yards and a touchdown that game. That's unbelievable effort. Um, yeah. And and I, I can't help but wonder, I, I guess, that same notion of, of maybe a player taking over a game. Obviously, it didn't work out to be a win there. Devin Neal, we we saw him last year against Oklahoma State. He had, I think it was like 37 touches or something like that. 
I don't know how many more games we're going to get with Devin Neal in a Kansas uniform. He's going to have a decision at the end of the year. Uh, is he going to come back another year? Maybe. And if he does, that'd be great. And he, he'll be on pace to break the all-time Kansas rushing record. Um, but who knows? Maybe he goes pro. And if so, this would be his final time playing K-State. Um, in-state kid. I can't help but wonder if this is a game you turn him loose and have him, you know, we don't see Kansas give him more than 20 touches in a game very often because you're rotating Daniel Highshaw and you're a balanced offense. I can't help but wonder if this is the game that you say Devin Neal take over. Maybe. What you're putting out there is certainly very real in mm-hmm. terms of the possibility of, of him being an early entry guy. I hate to talk about it, though. It's going to be a decision. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. But, it, but it's real. Yeah. You know, that's definitely an option for him. And I think Heishaw's a future NFL guy, too. Not right now. Right. Um, but, yeah. Uh, and so understanding and recognizing that that is a possibility, I will answer the question and say, <laughs> yes, that would be awesome if this is it for him. I really hope that there's a senior season, though, because now that Jalen has announced he's coming back and and Jalen is 100% all in on Lance Leipold and Kansas and being here and all that, I was looking at my, my depth chart today and my spotting boards, and I was looking at the 19 seniors this year, yes. Which we were but, trying to figure out the 19, because we were looking at the roster and we could only find 17, but I don't know. Okay. Yeah, right, another day. 18, yeah. Yeah. If only we had more time, we could go yeah, yeah. one by one. <laughs> but if you look at all the juniors and redshirt juniors we have next year, and how special that team could be, how veteran-laden that team could be. I really hope Devin comes back. But if not, uh, I would say that, yeah, you might be onto something there. And you know, certainly we've seen them in the last couple of weeks do a lot more with the Wildcat formation, no pun intended this week, uh, and, and Devin with the direct snap options because he's so good at, at surveying his option and, and reading and going and all that. His first chance at a pass attempt didn't go the way we would have hoped. But uh, I do think he's really good in that Wildcat package. Yeah. So, so maybe this is one of those days. And maybe it does go down as the Devin-Neal game. But then again, uh, it could go down as a lot of different insert Jayhawk here games because I think we're going to be more healthy than we thought heading into the week as we get deeper into it. I know Coach says you look at our offense and a lot of guys are beat up right now, but everybody's beat up in week 11. Everybody wants to to finish strong, especially on your senior day. So I think you're going to see some guys strap it up and grit it out and come up with a big performance for Kansas. And maybe Devin Neal is one of those guys. But uh, I hope, for Jason Bean's sake, he gets his moment to shine on his senior day. Because to think where he was at in the minds of the fan base this time a year ago, or at least at the end of last season, at the end of the third overtime in the Liberty Bowl, to how much he should be celebrated on Saturday night. And if he got to celebrate underneath that scoreboard on the last night it's ever turned on like that, with a final score that has Kansas on the high end, I mean, that's a moment he tells his grandkids about. So here's hoping that's the case come Saturday night. That'd be pretty cool. Well, uh, beyond football, it, I'm sure it'll be a quick turnaround. For, when are you even leaving? When, when are you leaving for uh, Honolulu from from the football game? Are you going straight after the game? Or are you going Sunday? You know, the, the wilder story is coming back from Honolulu, okay. but, but we are leaving at 7 a.m. on Sunday. Okay. Uh, and so we'll get in at like 4.30 p.m. Sunday evening. But coming back on Thanksgiving, it's an overnight flight and you lose four hours and all that. We land at 6.30 a.m. in Topeka with basketball, and then we're supposed to be at Forbes, I think, with football at 11.30 a.m. to go to Cincinnati. So, you know, I'm from Topeka, but I no longer have family there. I'm like, what, what am I going to do? Do, yeah. I, do I take the time <laughs> to drive back to Lawrence and take a shower and repack right. a bag? Because I don't like know if you noticed, nap the, the climate yeah. in Honolulu compared to Cincinnati in November is yeah. a little different, so I probably should come back, but I mean, it's literally <laughs> like a four or five hour window in between the two, and that's assuming things run on time. Right. So that, that speaks to crossover season as much as any, but Man, you look at that loaded Maui field and you, and you look at how much fun next week is going to be. I can't wait for it. But here's hoping we're flying out there with our chest puffed out proud because we just beat K-State in football because that'll make anything that follows you know, even cooler. Because right now, in the midst of our busiest month, Kansas is certainly looking great at both. Yeah, they are. And uh, basketball, we, we saw the Champions Classic where Hunter Dickinson goes off. I mean... Uh, talk about uh, quite a, a big-time performance from somebody you went out and put a lot of eggs in that basket and uh, kind of came out well. But Dewan Harris taking over at the end. And yeah. We were kind of talking earlier this week that it, it feels like with Dewan and Hunter Dickinson, they have a chance to be one of those special duos. And a lot of times the duos we think of, especially in the Bill Self era, it's point guard and big man. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. Devon. Well, I guess Devonte Graham and Frank Mason might buck that trend a little. But you know, it's it's Devon Dotson and Udoka Azubuki. It's Sharon Collins and and uh, Cole Aldridge. It's you know uh, that kind of duo that that just takes you over the top. And yes, Kevin McCuller is really good too. And, and KJ Adams had a good game and all that stuff. But um, 
Can you remember as dominant of a performance by two players in the same game? Because, I mean, from the two of them combined, that's what? That's 50 points, 20-whatever rebounds. I don't don't know how many Dwan had, but, uh, you know, probably seven or eight assists, uh, uh, unbelievable shooting. That's got to be as good of a two-man game that I have seen um, since I've been watching KU. I mean, obviously, there's the games where one guy goes off. Yeah, yeah. Pull up the... uh the Maui Invitational Final versus Dayton when Udoka and Devon shared the MOP honors of that tournament. I'd be curious to know what the line was that day. But to your point, the way I've been describing it, if I'm lucky enough to, to do this for another 25 years, if Derek's here for another 40 years, and Nick, he's so young, he could do it for 50. <laughs> Between the three of us, we will never, ever see another game where you have a 2020 game out of one guy, a triple double out of another, and neither is the player of the game. <laughs> it will not happen again. I mean, what Hunter just did, I mean, that's that's historic to the degree that Nick Collison's 24 and 23 versus Texas on senior night was historic, okay? Mm-hmm. What what Kevin McCullough just did, although a poor shooting game, had only happened officially Twice earlier with Jeff Withy and Cole Aldrich. I know B.H. Bourne and Wilt Chamberlain did it unofficially. But the point is, those two individual efforts on their own would be something Rock Chalk Sports Talk talks about for the rest of the season. And neither was the player of the game. It was Dewan Harris, who a week ago we were begging to shoot the basketball. And he, and he puts out on his Instagram or TikTok, hey, I'll shoot when I'm ready and when I need to. And he did. And, he, and in my mind, guys, he was 5 for 5. I know he missed that right. last one when Jamari put him in a tough spot. But when he actually squared up to consciously decide to shoot, he didn't miss. No, How didn't cool miss. was that? What was the line? You got to play. Yeah, I've got, I've got it right here. Devon Dotson had 31 points, f- uh, six rebounds, four assists, and five steals. That's a good night. Yeah. And Yudoka Azabuke had, uh, let's see, 29 points. Only had three rebounds, interestingly enough, and four blocks. And then he fouled out. Which wow. Okay, here's a fun trivia question from that game. I'll let both of you guys guess on this. Here was the starting lineup. Devon Dotson, Ochag Baji, Doak, Marcus Garrett. Who was the fifth starter? I'm looking at it, so okay, okay. Say it again, because yeah. I'm looking at a different box score. Right Here, here's now. the the here's four of the starters from that Maui Invitational Championship game: Devon Dotson, Ochag Baji, Marcus Garrett, Doke Azabuki, and who was it? Moss. It was not Moss. Moss came off the bench. He played a uh, good amount of minutes. Okay, help me out. I it, it's just it, it's one that is an obvious player, but it's a not obvious answer for a. A spacing reason, I guess, would be the reason why. David McCormick. David McCormick. David McCormick. How about that? I did not remember David McCormick starting next to Udoka Azubuke at all. How about that? That's pretty crazy, isn't it? For some reason, Moss sticks out in my mind. Did he hit a deep, deep shot in that one? Uh, they, they all blend together. He was over one actually, from three, so yeah, he actually, shot a deep, deep thing. <laughs> but he didn't hit it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Different game, man. Yeah. But but at least at least we pulled that that was probably the best yeah, uh, one-two one. punch in recent memory. But but my point about the other night was, I mean, Juan was so special, and yet those other two guys had game for the ages stat lines, too. And Dickinson, as I said on the broadcast, I mean, if you guys have read the Teddy Roosevelt quote, the man in the arena, um, he loves being the man in the arena. Mm-hmm. He loves being, whether you cheer for him or you boo him, mercilessly this is a guy that loves the attention and you saw the gestures after certain shots or moments running down the floor you saw everything he did to play off the crowd he loves being that polarizing lightning rod figure he's the type of guy and i know this is so cliche that you love him if he's on your team you hate him if he's not but he, he really is that guy i mean if you're Playing against him, you're like, oh my gosh, this guy again. And then look at the guy that both sides are like, oh, I love that guy. Exactly. Man, I wish I had that guy. Man, I'm glad we have that guy. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's funny because they are very uh, contrasting styles and personalities, but man, I'm glad Hunter's on our side. And I just can't wait. If this is the tip of the iceberg of what this special duo can do together, Mm -hmm. we're in for an awful big treat over the next five months. All right, before we let you go, word from Nate Miller. Yeah, I wish we had more time because I want to talk about the the rest of, uh, you know, some of the basketball observations, but we'll save that for next week with a big sample size of yeah. everything that happens in Honolulu. But check out my man, Nate Miller. Uh, he'll help with all of your long-term investment future needs. He'll sit down, whether you have a portfolio now or you're building one for the future, he'll sit down with you and take you toward your most profitable financial future. Guys, always a pleasure. I'm grateful for you as we celebrate the Thanksgiving holiday. I hope you have a great one with your families. All right, that's Thanks. Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. Two hours down, one to go. Cue the disclaimer. 
Ryan is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Ryan does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. Five o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We've got Hawk Talk coming at you tonight with Brandon Schneider at 6 o'clock here on KLWN for the KU women's basketball team. After that, we're going to be airing High School Sports Weekly at 7 o'clock. Nick Springer's out at Mama's Tamale Shop. They're doing their show out at Mama's from 6 to 7 o'clock live. But again, it's airing here on KLWN at 7 o'clock. Uh, if you want to tune in to that. Of course, last night was Hawk Talk with Brian Haney and Lance Leipold for KU Football out at Johnny's Tavern yesterday. And uh, there's some interesting things that were said. So I wanted to kind of go over some of the, I don't know, interesting audio clips that, that happened on the show last night. The first was a just quick clip here uh, about Jason Bean and his status. And, and we've heard kind of throughout the week, we heard on Monday from Lance Leipold at his media availability, uh, we heard that he was very optimistic about him playing, and he also said the same about like Luke Grimm and some of the other guys. And uh, he was very optimistic about Jason being playing, but he did not practice. So, you know, you're you're like, okay, well, uh, you know, where where's that going? Then we hear Wednesday from Andy Kotelnicki, which uh, we played that audio for you earlier on in the show, that he said he practiced on Wednesday and he was taking a lot of reps. So that's you know trending in the right direction. Then we heard last night at Hawk Talk this from Lance Leipold. He practiced some today. He he took some reps and he was out there and he continues to get better. And, uh, you know, we'll see what tomorrow brings as well. And he, but he's he's definitely in a better spot than he was at the beginning of the week by by early talks from our training staff. OK, so a better spot and progressing in the right way. All those lead me to believe that things are going well. And we go back to the injury of Jason Mean. The first time he goes down is that, I don't know, it felt like he like injured his leg or a knee or, or something. He got kind of bent up in a weird way. Does come back out there, and then he gets injured again, and that one maybe hits his head, so maybe it's a head injury. Um, I, so I, I, I don't know uh, what to kind of expect here uh, because we have seen guys with, you know, if it is a concussion type thing, we've seen them come back the next week. You know, you think of like Patrick Mahomes did that. Um, you also see sometimes guys could miss four or five weeks with a concussion, right? Like sometimes that stuff can uh, be very different in impact in terms of the person, how severe it is and all that stuff. So you don't really know. It's not one of those things with a concussion where it's like, oh, well, you know, high ankle sprain, you're out four to six weeks. Like it's it's a lot harder to know with that type of stuff. So that could be good for Kansas. That could be bad for Kansas, right, in terms of getting him back. If it is a leg injury, maybe it's both. I, I don't know. Maybe uh, is this just shadows? Is it, you know, smoke screens that KU has thrown out there to try to make K-State prepare for one thing when it's the other thing? Is it the honest truth? Because we know that um, – there have been a lot of, I don't know, trying to figure out what the heck's going on with the QB position, especially with Jalen Daniels, that it's like, well, do, do we trust this stuff? Like, is it going to be Cole Ballard? Is it going to be Jason Bean? Um, I, I continue to take these hints along the way and be like, okay, maybe I'm starting to feel more and more like Jason Bean will be the starter on Saturday. But still, in the back of my mind, I'm I'm preparing for if it's Cole Ballard because I will fully believe that it's Jason Bean if we see him on Saturday actually going out there with the first team in the huddle on the first play of the the KU offense for the game. And at that point, I will truly believe it. But again, if I'm just gathering the hints and stuff, if we are to believe this stuff, which I I guess, you know, fool me once, shame on, um, what is it? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Or did I get that messed up? Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Uh, if if uh, you know we're fooled here by some of this stuff, then after this week, then I'll probably just sit there and be like, okay, I'm just not going to believe anything that's said about the quarterback position here moving forward. But I will take it for what it's worth right now. And I guess if if you know, gun to my head, I probably would be saying Jason Bean would be your starter on Saturday. But again. Kind of remains to be seen there. Now, we also heard if if it is Cole Ballard, then Cole Ballard, I thought, played well against Texas Tech and actually ended up with a better total QBR than uh, Baron Morton did for Texas Tech. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been going with the moniker. I've been mentioning so many times, walk-on true freshman quarterback. I think it adds to the intrigue. It adds to the storyline. It adds to the pizzazz of what he's been able to do. Uh, but apparently one part of that is false. He is still a true freshman, but I guess he's on scholarship now. Uh, Lance Leipold told a story about Cole Ballard, how he's impressed so far, and how they actually put him on scholarship and, and that story of how that went about. From the time Cole got here, I think our, our locker room really embraced him by his personality. His you know he he has a quiet confidence about him. Goes about it, works hard, um, you know, and and 
though we, he didn't want to be pressed into action like that, I, I think uh, he handled it extremely well. So, um, and and one other thing, I probably need to set set the record straight. I haven't talked a ton about it for a lot of reasons, but we put Cole on scholarship over a month ago. So, you know, he's he's earned that, and uh, that? and and you know, it, it it makes a you know another good story. So I'm probably going to go off track on here for a minute. Okay, so people talk about his father, and he have a chance. His father's the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts, and. I'm not one that that always does the social media thing where we're going to film the guy getting the scholarship and all that because I always worry about the players that were on the fringe of getting that scholarship and how they feel in the room sometimes when when it doesn't happen for them. So I I brought Cole in, and I told him we needed – I I said, uh, you know, I told him that we're going to put him on scholarship. And uh, he kind of broke down a little bit, teared up. And I said, but here's what we want to do – we're going to use my phone, we're going to call your dad, and then we're going to call your mom on your phone and put them on speaker, and then you're going to tell them. And, uh, and we did, and it was really a cool moment oh. for that family and pretty special. And his, and his mother teared up, and his dad was kind of quiet and told his son how proud he was of him. And then there was about 10 seconds of dead air, and his father, Chris, goes, okay. Now get your ass back to work. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and that's kind of the way, that's the way he is, and that's the way he's been raised. And, and uh, you know, uh, and that's kind of how he approaches it. And, and he, he knows he's got a job to do. He knew he had a job to prepare for. Uh-huh. And he was very well prepared to go out, and he's had a very fine week of, of preparation this week so far. So I, I think that was a really cool story there and a very funny finish there with his dad, who is the uh, general manager of the Indianapolis Colts. I know Chuck Pagano spoke with KU football over the offseason. I don't know. Uh, it just seems like there's some sort of tie there with that organization. Maybe it all goes back to Ballard. And, uh, you know, if if it just ended up being that Chris Ballard was like, hey, my kid. And it's, it's not like Lance Leipold was doing him a favor of like, oh, hey, my kid was the third string quarterback of varsity football. Will you take him as a walk on? And Lance Leipold was like, sure. Like, no, there is a level to it. Like he was a I forget if they won the state title or, or whatever. He was like or maybe. No, I'm sorry. All state quarterback, I think, is what Cole Ballard was. So like he was a good quarterback in high school. This wasn't just doing a favor. But the reason you have the connection is it seems like Leipold and and Ballard had that connection. If that turns out to be that Cole Ballard becomes this really important player for KU, um, I mean, what what a great connection that would turn out to be because uh, they, you know that was found money with what they found that this kid looks much better than a, a walk on quarterback. He looks and, and has earned the scholarship. Is kind of heard uh, in that story there. Now it's also Senior Day on Saturday. Beyond the quarterback stuff, and obviously it'll be Senior Day for for Jason Bean. So it'd be cool if he can get on the field to celebrate that and, and go out on top in that way. But uh, here's what Lance Leipold had to say last night during Hawk Talk in regards to what the senior class means to him and the program. The uniqueness of today's college football is how long has each guy been here and what was their journey here and what was their experiences here from Devin Phillips, who's only been here for for a short period of time, um, to Mason Fairchild and Kenny Logan and and others that have been through through the tough times and persevered and have had a chance now and will have a chance to experience two bowl trips and and everyone in between, so to speak. Uh, you know, Rich Miller, Mike Nowitzki that were with us in Buffalo and and, and came here and, and believed in the direction of what could happen here as well. So there's so many stories and there's others I'll miss of. You know, I, I mentioned it the other day. I, I think of a Reese Vernon, for for an example, was our starting punter, and and uh, you know we've we've gone a different direction in punting styles and where's there. Yet he's he easily in today's um, college football world just kind of moved on and gone somewhere else. But he wanted to make sure he got his degree here. He continues to work hard. He spends a lot of time in the weight room on, doing extra work and he's highly positive, never a distraction where he goes through. So I think about guys like him, Dylan Downing, Danny Robinson, guys who were walk-ons and, and what they've added and unselfishness. So I can go on and on, yeah. but uh, with through each player and they're special because you know, it's not easy for any of us in in our daily lives to go through change, and and when you go through unknown change, and and what's going to happen next, and how does that affect me, and and everything like that, and to, to see the guys that have, like I said, worked hard, bought in, and seen the success that we've been able to achieve in a short period of time. So certainly, uh, nineteen seniors. I mean. Different stories for all these guys. Maybe on Friday's show, we'll spend a little bit of time on all these guys. But, I mean, 
Like Kenny Logan's the one that I think sticks out for a lot of people. He's been through it for a while, five years. Like uh, he's been the face of the program in some years that they haven't been very good and, and now having good seasons, even when they are going good. Um, you think of like Mason Fairchild sticking around an extra year. You know, as a program tight end who's really broken out these last two years, you think of even transfers coming into the program, whether it was Dominic Pooney a couple years ago or Mike Nowitzki for three years or Rich Miller for three years. Right? There's so many seniors. Hayden Hatcher, who's worked his way up the depth chart and for more playing time and has fought so hard. Uh, so many cool stories among the senior class and uh, that, that's going to be celebrated on Saturday. Of course, beyond all that, there's the other tie-in that KU now has Sean Snyder, the uh, former Kansas State special teams coordinator and son of Bill Snyder, the legendary K-State head coach. Is that going to help KU in this game? Is it going to help them with getting motivated for the game and understanding the opposite side of things with K-State? Is it going to help them with, I don't know, anything schematically in this game? K-State has not been great special teams this year. They haven't been bad, but they haven't been great this year on special teams. Maybe KU can actually take advantage of that because in so many past meetings, it's been K-State taking advantage of the special teams. But uh, here is Lance Leipold speaking about Sean Snyder and what he's brought to the program. I can't speak enough about Sean and his addition. And, and I guess the first way I'd like to just say is, in fact, um, Rob Ionello and I were talking, and we, and we happened to talk about Sean for a second. And, and as he said, he goes, you know, Sean's just a professional. He's a pro about what he does. He's a professional in the office, how he goes about it, how he relates with their young men. And he understands uh, how organizations work and, and how to make contributions. And, and we are so fortunate to have him part of our staff. His knowledge about so many different things, the special teams area, of course, has been there. But there's so many things that he'll bring to my attention about about certain things, we, whether it be in the recruiting, whether it be in what we're doing with our projects, but but also just about about his experiences in college football and things that, that can help us and, and give other perspective. And, uh, you know, I'm going to say it now because I don't know if I've said it to him yet, is I, I hope we can keep him part of this staff for an awful long time. All right, that was Lance Leipold speaking about Sean Snyder and kind of what he has uh, brought to the program so far for KU, and sounds like he's been a great addition for Kansas. I would imagine they hired him so late in the game, it was like January or something, so he came on as like an analyst. I bet you at the end of this year they're going to find an actual like real title for him, whether it's like special teams coordinator or in some way associate head coach, something that he can get on the, you know, uh, I don't know, like on the actual staff part of things, the game day staff, whatever it is. I, I don't remember the exact differences of what uh, analysts and, and non-analysts can and can't do on like game days and practices and stuff. But um, I feel like that was just, hey, we'll take care of you now. Once we get to the end of the year, if it works out, which sounds like it has, then then we'll get you as you know coordinator or this position coach or, or whatever it is. Um, anyway, but Sean Snyder also spoke at Hawk talk he joined the show afterwards and i thought this was really interesting going back to what how can he help you well he can he can help you on special teams he can help you on uh you know maybe some schematics maybe knowing some stuff about k-state players what they do what they don't do well whether it's you know some of the schematic stuff that they do or what some of the players do uh he obviously helps you from a recruiting from a cachet in state like there's a lot of things he helps you with of, of just being around bill snyder and what that can help with as a head coach but um i i thought this was really interesting him talking about how they made this game when he was at K-State such a priority. And I thought this was a really interesting story. Inside the complex, you know, the players, it's, uh, I mean, the Governor's Cup sitting out. It's its in the locker room. Um, every day we're walking in and out of there and talking about the importance of the game and uh, how it's a, it's a, this game is is the game that we've got to make sure that we, we get after and win. And, and that, it, it permeated throughout the program and then obviously with the fan base you get everybody else involved with it um and i mean there's just a lot of of in the air of of the game and so uh you know and the and the the governor's cup is something that we just made a big, huge spectacle of uh through the time we were there so uh it it it, it brought juice to the group i mean they got going all right, so that was Sean Snyder at Hawk Talk, and I found that very interesting because, you know, for, for the last, whatever, 14 straight, the KU, the K-State has, has beaten KU. It's not just that Kansas State has been a better team all of those years in Kansas, which is true. It's that they've not only been the better team, but they have valued, val seemingly valued the game more. And part of that, they've, they've had more kids on their team from the state of Kansas. Kansas is still chipping into that. Um, but when you look at some of the important players KU has, Jared Casey, Devin Neal, that are from the state of Kansas, you know, you, you would think it should help a little bit in that regard. But like, Kansas State has, has made this game so important, and they've been the better program. Can you make this game now that you have Sean Snyder in the building? Does he help you make it you know, just as important as they view it? 
and to where then it just comes down to, okay, we're, we're equally motivated or maybe we're even more motivated because you've lost 14 straight and it's senior day. And then you can try to beat them in X's and O's. Now, that's tough to do because K-State is a really good football team in addition to all the motivation stuff. But I I thought that was a really interesting story that now KU has a a little bit of piece of that on their side of things. All right, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to continue on with some more audio from Lance Leipold coming up on the other side. Nick Springer getting ready for High School Sports Weekly tonight. That'll air at 7, but it's happening live at Mama's Tamale Shop at 6 o'clock. This is RCST. You're listening on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, the KLWN app, on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of your day and see you next podcast.